So you came on Sunday, you heard a good sermon, sure. Seemed like you really were learning, but that was days ago. And since that time, you've watched a lot of shows, heard a lot of news, read a lot of photo captions. Maybe a book or two, you got the information over the blues. Maybe forget the good news. Welcome to the Sojourn Midweek Checkup. My name is Bobby Gillis. This past Sunday, Pastor Stephen taught from Matthew 20 in our Family Values series. He said that if you want to enjoy the kingdom, if you want to get up, you have to get down. I'm joined by Jasmine Trail Oliver, Lindsay Blair, and Michael Miller for a conversation about the sermon, sort of what you might have in community group or second step. So what do we think, guys? Well, I'll start right at the end, and I had a, a note that um, I thought was just, it was really intriguing thought, um, and I just want to share with everyone who's listening, and uh, maybe if they didn't think about it, spend some time thinking about it this week. Um, it, it, I'm basically quoting him. He said, we cannot take service and make it the end. We can make it about, we, we will end up making it about ourselves instead of us leading it, leading it closer to him. And uh, he was referring to Matthew 26, verse 39, um, when he said that. Uh, and I just, I just thought that was really unique for the fact that, like, we do spend a lot of our time doing something and thinking about how it's affecting the other person or, or how it affected us. And a lot of times I think we can lose kind of our, our sight and get caught up on wasting our energy thinking about one of those two things rather than um, – like, how is that leading us closer to him? Um, it makes me think about uh, my daily reading. And I was, I was in the book of uh, Philippians and Paul was talking about, you know, how we can join Christ in his suffering. And, um, and I think Paul makes a good uh, example and he, and he expresses it as well on like joining Jesus in, in the full range of things and how it, it led, him, led it to him uh, or led Paul closer to, to Christ through that. So, um, yeah, I just, my, my thought was, you know, as I go about my week, it's usually the same routine things, especially as of lately, it's been really hard to, to try to stay ahead of that stuff, but try to focus on like, how is this leading me closer to him? And then maybe even start to read scripture from that point of view as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, just wanted to share that. Yeah, that's great. And I, I like the illustrations that he used. I know one of them was, you can be serving in kids and you, you can have a day when everybody in the class is crying and upset and it just feels like nothing's going the way that you want it to go in that class. And that, that experience can be an experience that can still lead you closer to Jesus and, and show you more of the presence of God. And I think that applies to all of us in whatever um, our days look like or however we spend our time. I think we tend to want to end the day or finish that, um, get, you know, that class and we want to be able to have something tangible to hold on to. Like what, what was the mm. end result? Did it feel good? Mm. Did it feel good to me? And, um, just, just that thought that even if it doesn't feel good, even if it didn't turn out the way we thought that like that, that good or bad experience can still draw us closer to the Lord and he can still use that. He can use the good 
joyful experiences and he can use the hard ones where we just feel like it was a failure also just to draw us closer to him. Yeah, I can't count the number of times I felt like a certain CG session that I was helping lead or I was leading is like, this is, this is a failure. This went awful. Um, nothing's working. Nobody's showing up. And like, it's, it's easy to take that on yourself. Um, I think that's, that's a natural tendency, especially like CG is, at least for me, it's something where I, I do kind of pour my heart into it a little bit because these are key people that I care about or I want to try and care for. Um, they're oftentimes they've been good friends. I've been a part of like five or six CGs at this point. Um, and I've gotten great friendships from, from all of them. Um, but you know, there's not a guarantee in the Christian life that you're not going to experience burnout as a Christian when you're serving. And from what I saw in Jesus, burnout was common. <laughs> he was always on the edge of a burnout and needing to take a break to like seek God or talk to God about it or just get away from people. Oh. Uh, and I, I think that's why it's, I like that part of the cycle that Sojourn encourages, like take a break after a big life event or you do need to take natural breaks um, just in the, in the cycle of, of the year. But also back to the point of the sermon, I really appreciate it of like, it's not necessarily yours to make or break. Like God's gonna use it how God's gonna use it. And if it works, praise be to God. And if it doesn't, then God's will be done. And that's, that's not something I keep present all the time because I like to think that I make things work or it's my fault if it fails. Yeah, I think there have been so many times when I've felt like a certain, maybe it, like you said, a CG session was fruitless or even a season of, of community group life was, has been fruitless or I don't know, so any, anything that I do that I expect and, or think like this is going to be great, this is going to be you know, good for the kingdom and we're going to see all this fruit and then it turns out you can't really see any fruit. Um, and sometimes, and this is like, I think, you know, true grace to us, you'll find out later that it did mean a lot to somebody and you just didn't know it. And, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. that's happened several times in my life and it's always like mind blowing, like, oh, you, you did get something out of that. Um, but sometimes we don't know and we'll never know. Um, and, and so for me, I think a lot of times I, I do good things because I want to be thought well of, I want people to, to notice um, and to, you know, either say good things about me or at least just think good things about me and, and appreciate me. And if I feel like I'm, I'm not getting appreciated then that's when I tend to get down um, and mm. need to be reminded um, by the spirit, you know, perhaps through the Bible, perhaps through another Christian that we don't do good things to do good things. And we don't do good things to get noticed. We do good things to participate in the life of Christ. And, you know, by the power of the spirit and in this way, we're, we're participating in this divine forever life and becoming more like Jesus. And it's something that we need to be, I think, continuously called to because it's so easy to kind of get on that track where we're we're doing good things. But the motive isn't necessarily pure, at least for me anyway. Yeah, no, I think you make a good point, Bobby. Like, honestly, I think that's the answer to to, to not getting burnt out is like remembering what you said that like are we doing it for the recognition are we doing it for those other things 
Uh, Jazz, you just really threw me off with that face. <laughs> All right, I've got two cats down here. That no, no, you're okay. Um, me, but I'm listening. Like, no, no, no. You were like, uh, is that true? That's kind of the way Sorry, it, it got, looked like. No, you're got fine. Got a cute gray face right here, and he just wants my attention. So when I pay too much attention, he's like, "Hey, pet me." <laughs> but I am listening. Please. Sorry. Go ahead. And I do think there is something to like what, what Jasmine was saying earlier about, you know, Jesus shows us that these rhythms, I mean, he's like, here is the son of God and he needs to take breaks. Um, well, and, and the ultimate burnout of like, I died for this. Mm -hmm. Like I reached the end of the rope. There's nothing left. And there's no guarantee that we're not like, I'd like to think this, that, oh, the answer to burnout in Christian service is Jesus. Like, Yes, that's an arma de doble filo. That's like a double-edged sword there of like, yes and no, um, because like your life, we're called to give our life as a living sacrifice. And that's going to mean, that's going to mean some painful, painful moments. Like even in CG, I've had painful relationships in which, you know, someone has um, attacked me or attacked Blake and we've had to talk through that. We've had to pray through that. We've walked through that or like we've had CGs break up because of conflict that's it's not pleasant it's not i don't like it um yeah but you know that's that's part of being in this world and broken and it's also part of like god can still work in that cg and maybe it was just time for it to end like I, i'll never yeah. necessarily know but that's that's the light end right like if you look at jesus exa example and even the story in this passage of the brother is saying, we can drink from your cup. We can do what you are going to do, Jesus. Like, well, yeah, you're going to have to. And that that would be, to me, like, that's the ultimate burnout of mm. it's death. Right. That's yeah. not an easy message to tell or hear. Right. I mean, lo lots of Christians' lives could be marked as failures. Mm. But like, even famous Christians are like, you didn't get rich, famous, or successful being a Christian and giving up everything like Jesus. You You had a life of of trouble, of turmoil. You had a life of sacrifice, of loss. Yeah. And that's supposed to be never answered. Yeah. Amazing God is. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think, as you were saying, it's like faithful over fruitful. You know, like let's just let's just go past the the thoughts of like you said, like I'm evaluating this based on the results or how I felt or how the other person felt. Or how they didn't make me feel, you know, versus like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, I, I can think of times where, you know, I want to do like family worship in my house or heck even pray. And like my four-year-old daughter's like, I don't feel like it, you know? And it's like, I know, honey. do I make you, do I, you know, like there's just times cause I'm like, and it, you know, there's times just like, I get it. I'll tell her that, like, I get it. I, I won't say, like, I feel you. I'm, I don't want to do it either. You know, I try to still be an example. I'm like, hey, I get it. Like, I, I know um, somebody else will pray this time. Like, all you have to do is just is just be present, you mm -hmm. know? So I, it, that's, I guess that's just kind of the example that, again, it just makes me think, like, hey, be be faithful. And then when you do get exhausted, you slip away like Jesus did. I remember there was a season in my life where I was reading and, like, that was just so obvious to me through the gospels of like how many times he was slipping away and like how there was times where he healed a bunch of people. But, and I mean, to the point it was like, it was late in the night, um, went to sleep, but he made sure he got up early because he knew like 
this is the rest, the rest I do need for my body, but like, I need to go and be with the father. And then they went looking for him like, Hey, there's a ton more people out here. And he was like, look, we got to go, you know? And it was like, it was just like, what kind of example is that? But then I'd stop and think like the, the, the most practical personal example I've seen in that is that he knew he had to sacrifice sleep to go and be with the father. Like he, he needed that, you know? So I just, I, yeah, y'all making some good points. Going back to what you were saying a, a few minutes ago about fruitfulness, I think part of the problem is the way we talk about fruitfulness in the church. And I'm pointing at myself here. I do this all the time, but like we tend to talk about like, well, what, what's bearing fruit? That's like more attendance or people, you know, getting saved or like, oh, yeah. you know, bearing fruit is like stuff is happening. We're getting, it's, it's sort of like the, the Christian version of the business, like going to get results, going to get stuff done. Um, Whereas, you know, giving, bearing fruit is, in, biblically, what's that? Love, joy, gentleness, patience, peacefulness, self-control. You know, the fruit of the Spirit is not like more attendance, higher giving, more people serving, you know. So, but it's so easy to fall into that, I think, that mindset of like, this is what fruitfulness looks like. It means going out there, taking the hill, getting stuff done, seeing all these like um, accomplishments come to pass. Yeah, and that gentleness was a really good point in the sermon too, I thought of, you know, I even see some Christians of, like locally have heard, oh, we need this candidate to be in. And that's, that's a Christian thing. We need our Christian leader for a Christian nation and it has to be this person. Um, and, and they're not gentle about it at all <laughs> um, with anyone who disagrees with them. And, and like we're, what I really appreciated about the last sermon series was Jonah kept saying like um, families can have hard conversations. Like we're, it's not like um, like our relatives or when we wanted to start have the, the harder conversations or the interesting conversations about politics and Christianity. It's like we weren't just written off or like walk, walking away from the argument is something else we talked about of like, no, we can have these conversations. And now, now that we're having them, like, okay, well, you think your savior is in this Christian political person, quote unquote, what you believe, and you're bashing people on Facebook about it. Like, well, that's not gentleness. And I really appreciate that point because, like, things are, what does Paul say? It's like, it's beneficial, but not necessarily, it's, it's okay to do, but not necessarily beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, like you may be right in a certain argument, but if you were calling people names or demeaning their, their personhood or, or something like that while you're making the argument, like you're wrong. Yeah. I liked how Stephen talked about that in the context of like the power that we have. And he kind of went through some different examples. He's like, I'm not talking about the kind of power that you, you know, you think I'm talking about, but even just like the power that we have with our words. Um, and I think the power we have with our postures towards people too. So even in those political discussions, like what you were talking about, Jasmine, mm-hmm. like we have power in those places, in those conversations. And we, we can use that to bash somebody over the head, or we can use that to, to open our hearts and our ears and just have that posture of curiosity and listening and do that in a gentle way. And I mean, we can talk about what we believe and what, what our passions are and where our hearts are. Um, we can share our strong opinions, um, 
but can we do it with gentleness and love, you know? And I thought that was just a really good point um, of just how, how to leverage the power that God's given us just in the lives of others. That's, that's a very practical example for just where we are right now politically yeah yeah one of the discussion questions was um something like in, in in what part of your life do you feel like you have power and how can you use that on behalf of others um and i was thinking that i'm often too concerned with power that i don't have or that i think i don't have <laughs> and when i think about it i have a lot of power in a lot of ways but it's mostly invisible to me there's a, a theologian named Andy Crouch, who talks about the danger of what he calls unmapped power. And he says the powerful have a hard time seeing their own power. Um, and he talks about how unmapped power is perilous and it's wasted power. So it's perilous because if you don't even recognize that you have it, you're probably either using it in wrong ways or on the wrong things. And you're probably not using it in good ways on good things, or maybe you're just wasting it when you could be using it for good. So I, I appreciated Stephen calling out that all of us have power in some areas of life and we need to be self-aware, need to submit our lives to Jesus. So we're using the power or the, the agency that we have uh, that he gives us for his glory and his kingdom values and not our own. Well, and he used the example of his daughter because you just think about like when I think about power, I think of somebody in authority who is like a boss who has authority over people. But then he used that example of his daughter she has power when she cries that she knows that mom or dad is going to pick her up and and give her what she needs and today i was that kind of helped me bring that down to more of a practical level his example and today i was in the grocery store because i'm there more times than i'd like to admit every week um and i was thinking about that when i was in the checkout lane that something as simple as me being in the checkout lane with that cashier like she has power in terms of she's the one working she's the one scanning the groceries she she can she can like basically like say no this is the price this is what it is sorry you thought it was this like she has power but i also have a different kind of power as the customer and and i can walk away from that interaction with her and i i, I could use my power to be rude to be just a difficult customer to be an ungracious customer, or I can use my power in that moment to be kind and generous and friendly and leave that interaction in a way that um, leaves both of us, you know, filled up or encouraged. And I was just thinking about just all the little ways in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our ministries, like, there's the, there's the power, I think, big P power, but then there's like the little P power. I think that's just those small daily interactions that we have with people that, I, I mean, until the sermon, I wouldn't have thought that, yeah, like we do have power even in those small, minute things. And I think those things do add up when we're, when we're faithful in those moments of the little P power. I think it, I think it adds up. Hmm. That's good. Yes. Me, I, oh, go ahead, Jasmine. No, that's all right. Go, you go for it. I was just, I was thinking about Bobby's question. And um, I think if I had to choose a power, which sounds funny even saying, but like, I guess networking, I feel like that's something that I feel like I probably do really well at. Although I don't know like the untapped potential of like what that would, how that would convert in business or something like that. 
you know what I mean? Or, or, you know, somewhere where it could be used in a way that I don't know, could be like financial growth, but, um, you know, like I've seen it, I've seen it a few times just on my job at the post office, like helping, helping a friend get a job because of the reputation that I have gained at my job, you know, like my word is good or, Hey, you know, well, we'll take somebody based off your name. Um, like that, that kind of networking. And then, um, recently what was really cool, um, which I won't go into all the details, but I, I met, I met someone through the, the business and the business adventure that I'm on and got really cool with, with him just building relationship, you know, just, just, just anytime I meet someone new, I always am curious about like where the Lord would want to, would want to take the relationship. So I try to let him lead it. Um, and that's still that's still going on but in in the process of doing that the the person that i was uh, linked up with the clinician um there was he he had a need for someone in her area of expertise and so naturally i'm like oh okay well hold on a second so i just i just three-wayed them on the phone and had them to have a conversation right there on the spot and they like agreed to have a meeting and then it turned into like and actually like really high paying job opportunity, whether or not she takes it. Um, but I was just like, what did I just do? That's right. And, you know, I was like, I was like, who am I? You know, I was kind of like, yeah, it was kind of tight. Um, but yeah, so I've, I've never like, I've never done anything like that, but that was something new that I experienced that I would say, if, like, if you want to call it power, you know, like I, I leveraged that for, for someone else's gain. Hmm. Wow, that's cool. It was cool. I ain't gonna lie. It was really cool. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty nice. Like, more on one more more than one occasion, I've been looking for a job, and it's like to have someone to help you. Yeah, really means a lot, especially if it gets you yeah. in, a, in a place that like can take care of your family or um, leads to something True. you really wanted to do. So, and and Michael, I I personally would say, yeah, that's definitely a gift you've been given to. You're just really warm and friendly in relationships and you're, you're interested in people getting to know them. You take the time to yeah. talk to someone. That's why like, I'm like super glad you're connect director. Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate That's it. Another area where you do a great job and using your gifts and leveraging them for, for the kingdom, the way you, way they call it networking or just hospitality, being friendly, making, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff is something that is, I think naturally within you and you hone it too. Um, but so it's like raw talent, but you, you, you work it like you, this is, you can tell to yield that thing. This is the <laughs> desire that you have to to make connections with people and to connect yeah. them with others and to connect them with Jesus. Like you can see that, that desire in you and how that works out. Hey, you, you said like something that. a second ago. I wanted to ask the, the unmatched power or something like unmatched unmapped. Power. Yeah, can can you elaborate on it a little bit? Well, it's just the power that we don't know we have. Um, you know, and we all we all have that in areas of our life where we don't even think about it. It's just like sitting down and, and making a list. Like, okay, what are the ways that we have power? Well, when I start out making a list like that, I would tend to think only about the power that I don't have, or the limitations that are placed on me, whether they're limitations of money or you know not being in a visible enough position or something like that but when you really start thinking about it we all have power um we all whether that's the power of being a parent um or the, or the power we have on the job power of seniority maybe 
that you have over other people. I mean, there's there's really no end um, to most of us, especially in 21st century Americans. Um, we have a lot of power. The, the power of the vote when talking about elections and things like that. There's a lot of power that we have, and most of it, we're not aware of it. And if we're not aware of it, then there's a tenant, there, there could be a danger of we're either using it for bad things um, or we're not using it for good things. I, th I think our relationships can kind of give us a little clue as to how we're doing with those different areas of power that we have, like how are our relationships doing? And I think, you know, Michael, your example that you use, like using kind of your, your place where you are to, to help that person get that interview, like you use that to serve others. Um, but I think a lot of times, just I see you just in your role also doing that, serving others, but then you're building and cultivating relationships as you're doing that. And I, I think that's, that's just an indicator, like how our relationships are going can be an indicator, I think, of how are we doing with the power that's been given to us and the influence that we've been given to us. You know, I think sometimes that can just not be a tell-all, but can be just a little clue um, whether we're leaning more towards serving others or serving ourselves with the power that we have. That's good, like Lindsay. The parable of the talents. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's part of, like, I would say we're definitely in the United States in a culture conflict of sorts. Oh, some people want to say it's a culture war. I don't necessarily know. I, I at least can tell like there's definitely conflict about culture in the United States right now. And part of that is a call to recognize the power that you have. Like, okay, if you are, if you have a certain power, like if you are a boss, you have power and you're making decisions that are important in people's lives. If you are a teacher, you have power and you're making decisions that are important and influ influential in a person's life. If um, you have any kind of leadership position in an organization, you have power in people's lives. And so like that's part of the interrogation of this, this new interrogation of racism at this time is, are you aware of the power you have and are you aware of how it's being used with people differently or in different situations? And I, th I think it's an important interrogation to, to to have to question in your life because you know, as Christians we're always wondering like are we loving others are we serving others and if you're if you're a teacher and you're not noticing that you are punishing kids who are male and black more than you are punishing other kids you're using your power either on purpose or on accident that's that's not in a good way it's not serving others in a good way um, and, you know, that's not to say all teachers do that. It's just that one study that I was taught in my education degree of like, hey, be careful because this is a bias that's been shown in teacher studies. So please be aware that if, um, if you're punishing students, this might happen. You need to be careful because you might be a part of that. It's like, oh, I appreciate that because I don't want to be part of a system that's using its power against a certain student. That's important to me. And so, yeah. you know, I think that it was an important differentiation that I'm pretty sure Stephen made of, you know, we're not just chasing power for power's sake. We're not, we're not trying to say like, yes, let's get, um, let's get sojourners to lead New Albany and be in mayor and other city county positions to, to steer the ship in the direction that we think it should go. Like, well, well, no, like the reason 
we follow Jesus is because he, we're following the kingdom of God and Jesus is leading us in that way, not for the search of power, for power's sake ourselves to change it in the ways we think it should be changed necessarily, but ways that God is inviting us to change for the better of humanity and the betterment of, of ourselves. Um, and that's, I think, a really important distinction of, of power. Like not, not power for you, for your own selfish reasons, but power for others to serve others for the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, we're talking about powers and superpowers of like, which is kind of funny because Jesus, Stephen also pointed out the Disney part of, hey, it's actually really bad advice to just follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because humans have terrible dreams, honestly, of like, if you are selfish and using your power for those selfish reasons to get what you want, well, even if you get that, you're on Amazon looking for something else in the next five minutes. We don't necessarily know what is ultimate good. So. Absolutely. Okay, I hear you preaching. Yeah. I was really, I liked the sermon. I was really inspired by it. Yeah, now that was really good thoughts. I mean, I thought it was strong and it, and it goes into like what Lindsay was saying about like, pay attention to your relationships mm. and see see what's going on on there. Yeah, like I think you really just kind of covered that. He even said, um, if you want more out of life, you have to want less. And like, like, I, I think, I think the way I understood it is like, want less as in like, want less for yourself as much as it is like, like get your things. Every we all have our wants. Like, yes, that not saying like, give everything you have, per se, but like, let's 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 focus on not getting as much as you can get. You know, like for the betterment of others. And I think that also goes into desire. So, you know, Stephen talked about power, <clears throat> talked about desire. Um, and, you know, some of it, I think, is coming from um, the African uh, church father, Augustine. Um, he, you know, writes about desire a lot. And he understood our fallen condition, our, our fallenness uh, is mostly about misdirected desire. So we desire what will kill us, and we are less attracted to what brings life which is union with Christ. So in Stephen's sermon, we saw John and James still thinking in their old paradigms of power and prestige. And then we have the blind men who think that what they most want is to see, which is a good desire, but not the ultimately fulfilling desire. And then we have all the disciples who are oblivious to the clear statement of Jesus that he's about to be crucified. They're, they're so settled in their own idea of what it must mean for Jesus to be the Messiah, what must be about to happen, that they not only have trouble with his parables, they can't even understand his clear statements. They, you know, mm. th- there's just a way that wow. they think this story has to go if Jesus is going to deliver them, he's going to deliver Israel, that even when he clearly tells them this is what's going to happen, yeah. they don't see it. Um, so that's how all of our, our, our desires get misdirected. And then we get sort of stuck in uh, these ways of thinking um, that are unhelpful. That reminds me of uh, a book I found fascinating. Um, it's called Desert Fathers by uh, theologian Thomas McKenzie. And he, it's, it's a collection of this ancient, like this group um, in ancient times who like, inspired by Jesus, decided to go live out in the desert and pursue truth that way. And so um, they, they wrote down sayings and, and teachings and wisdom that they learned from that. And, you know, one of the stories that he 
he writes and summarizes about the Desert Fathers is, you know, you can, you can even make giving up everything, like your own goal of like, I'm going to show that I can do this. I can, I can live a self-sacrificial life and I can get rid of everything and I'm going to prove that and have that, that power in this community. Like I'm this good. Mm. And even that, even that desire, which, which seemed like that can't be selfish. Like, no, we, we can still make that selfish and totally blinded and misguided and misdirected and, and completely wrong. What I love about um, just the passage that, that we read, specifically the blind men, is um, that they, th this just gets me every time, they were shouting and they were rebuked like they were shouting these two blind men were desperate and shouting and then they were rebuked and then they shouted louder and jesus stops and he doesn't stop to turn around and say like didn't you hear them tell you to stop shouting you know he turns around and he it says he had compassion on them and he says what do you want me to do for you and and i just think that's a beautiful picture of um like Jesus wanting, he wants to hear our desires. He wants to know our desires. So like Stephen said, our desires, like it's not bad to desire things. It's not bad to want things. But I think his question was, are those things going to lead you closer to Jesus? And I think that's the key. And I think even in this story, you know, Jesus um, touched their eyes, they received their sight. And then Stephen pointed out, like they followed him. And that that's just something I think that that specific um, passage just gets me every time just just imagining that like Jesus is saying that to us he's saying like what what do you want me to do for you that doesn't mean that I'm gonna say I'd like to win a million dollars in the lottery tomorrow that he's gonna give that to me um, but maybe that desire isn't going to ultimately lead me closer to Jesus you know and I think he knows that and and it's just like with our kids when our kids come to us and ask us for things um, mm -hmm the answer might be no a lot. And that doesn't mean that we don't love them anymore um, and that we don't want to give them their desires, but we as parents know what's best for our children. Most of the time we're imperfect, but we usually know. And I just think like, how much more does God know what's, what's good mm. for me? What's good to give me? And what I think is good to give me, he might, may not think that because I, I have a limited perspective. You know, I have a limited perspective of what um, what desires I think are. And it can be a desire that I think is a godly desire. It can be a desire that I think feels self-sacrificial, but God might might see that differently. And, and he knows, he knows what, he knows what desires will ultimately lead me closer to him and what ones won't. Hmm. That's good. Any other thoughts? Some things that stood out? That's maybe a good one to end on. Yeah. All right. Well, next Sunday, we are going to enter Matthew 21, which is uh, Jesus, his triumphal entry into Jerusalem one week before the resurrection. And then he goes into the temple and stuff gets weird. Uh, he starts doing some things. And so we're going to talk about this Sunday and what that means for, for us here today. And then we'll be back with you next Wednesday on the Midweek Checkup. So see you then. Peace.